Welcome to the Herald Podcast, New Generation, a podcast created for those who desire a new way of gaining information rather than reading a traditional newspaper. In our show, we will discuss everything from sports, pop culture, politics, and local news. To stay up to date on our latest episodes, be sure to subscribe, and you can also check us out weekly on all major streaming platforms. And don't worry, we keep it short. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to The New Generation. Um, I'm Tanner Mondock, one of your hosts here of the show, and I'm also here with our other host, Janae Avery. Janae, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. Thanks for asking, Tanner. Today, we're going to bring you all the latest news from this week, so sit back, relax, and turn up the volume and get ready to hear what happened this week in local news. And we'll also have a guest coming on later on in the show. We're going to have Herald Editor Jeff Garrett to talk about an editorial that he had appear in the paper this week, so stick around for that. First story we have for you here, this is coming back from all the way back on Monday from uh, David Dye. It's about a new tech room coming to Hickory High School. So currently, a lot of those computer classes in the school are being held in the library, but that arrangement is temporary, and by next fall, that tech room will be there. So that room is going to feature laptops that will allow students to move throughout the technology room instead of you know traditional sit at a desk type of computer the laptops are going to feature touch screens and styluses the project cost is expected to be about a hundred thousand dollars so more from the hermitage area anyone who has lived in hermitage for a while now they are familiar with the perkins restaurant it was a restaurant that actually closed down back in 2019 and unfortunately on monday it did undergo demolition so there is no longer a perkins restaurant in the city of hermitage however The city is in the process of putting a car wash in its former location. So yeah, I was there on Monday. I was actually on my way into work. I live around there in the area and I noticed a excavator tearing it down. So I figured I'd stop and I took a couple pictures. You know, Janae just mentioned the fact that they are planning on putting a car wash there. And uh, just judging by some of our comments on Facebook that we got about that plan, a lot of people aren't too happy about Hermitage getting another car wash. There are some other people in here saying that they would have liked to have seen maybe a restaurant or maybe someone was saying something about a Chick-fil-A or a Target. So it seems that some people aren't too excited about there being another car wash in Hermitage. So this story uh, coming from Mike Rocknick. Administration at the Keystone Adolescent Center paid almost $45,000 in back wages to employees after a U.S. Department of Labor investigation found that the Mercer County School failed to compensate staff members for planning meetings. So basically, the Department of Labor said on Monday in a press release that the Keystone required employees to attend staff meetings every two weeks, but they did not pay the workers unless the meetings took place during their regular work shifts. The agency said those meetings should have been considered paid work time for everyone who attended the sessions. So like I said earlier, they're going to be paying out almost $45,000 in back wages because of that. 
On Wednesday, our reporter Melissa Clarick published a story discussing state limits as far as sites go for the COVID-19 vaccine. The Department of Health made the decision last month to decrease the number of COVID-19 vaccine providers and efforts to streamline the vaccine process and get more doses throughout Pennsylvania. There was a lot of backlash from the community when the Department of Health did release this information. So they did counter back with a statement, basically letting people know that if you have received our first vaccine from a local pharmacy you will receive your second vaccine from that pharmacy as well so if you do have an appointment already scheduled you are supposed to continue along with that appointment and go ahead and show up for your second dose now for anyone in the community who has not received a vaccine just yet moving forward in the future you will have to schedule an appointment with a Rite Aid or a Giant Eagle Pharmacy in order to receive your first COVID-19 vaccine. Hopefully this change doesn't affect states rollout on vaccines too much because leading into our next story is that Mercer County is actually among Pennsylvania's highest vaccine rates. With uh, 24,578 fully vaccinated residents as of Tuesday, Mercer County is one of nine Pennsylvania counties with more than 20,000 people who have received two doses of COVID-19 vaccines or a single dose of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Now to wrap up the weekend news, we have a feel-good story that was written by our reporter David Dye. In this story, a local orthodontist office donates cookies to first responders. That office was Dr. Charles Gullen. He, along with his staff, distributed over 40 baskets to different places such as nursing homes, fire departments, and first responders in the area. Welcome back to all of our listeners. So for this segment, it's all about editorial, and we have a special guest on the show here today. Um, we're going to have Tanner go ahead and introduce our guest. So sitting here with us today is our editor, Jeff Garrett. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so Jeff, how long have you been with the Herald so far? Six months. Six months? Well, well, we're happy to have you here at the Herald, and we're definitely having, happy to have you on the show for the first time. I'm sure it'll be the first of many. So we're going to get right into it here. So we had an editorial, like Janae said, on Thursday. And um, so this is about Virginia ending the death penalty in the state. And it was a, a bit of a way as like call to action for PA to do the same. And this comes after five other states have abolished it in the last 10 years. And that was Illinois, Connecticut, Maryland, New Hampshire, and Colorado, replacing the death penalty with mandatory life sentences. Correct. Yeah, Virginia was very significant because it has the longest history of the death penalty of executions in the country since 1608. And they have executed since that time 1,300 people, the most in the country. And they were also the first southern state to abolish capital punishment. So this was considered a turning point in sort of the movement to abolish capital punishment around the country. So the editorial used that as sort of a call to action for Pennsylvania to do the same thing. We have a death penalty statute. It's been under a moratorium since 2015, but it's still there. The death penalty law is still there. Cases can still be tried under the death penalty and appealed under the death penalty. And also when the governor leaves office, he's term limited, the uh, moratorium will be lifted. 
And obviously any topic that has to do with the criminal justice system can be a little touchy at times. Or since the editorial team is discussing the death penalty, can you kind of just talk about the difference between an editorial piece and an actual news piece and how they kind of differ and for anyone who may not understand? Right, well that's a good question, Janae, because that comes up here a lot. People are confused. This was an editorial on the opinion page, clearly marked as opinion. It's the opinion, the institutional voice of the paper, the consensus of the editorial board in the opinion page. This will not affect our news coverage. We will cover the death penalty as it progresses through the legislature, but we will cover it as a straight news story. This was our opinion, our institutional voice, but again, it's separate from our daily news coverage and it will not affect our way we cover this on the newsroom. So a little bit ago, uh, just to get back into the editorial, uh, you did mention uh, Governor Tom Wolf. And back in 2015, he referred to the death penalty as ineffective, unjust, and expensive. Correct, and it's definitely all three of those things. I don't think most people understand that the death penalty in extra legal cost has cost this state about $800 million since the death penalty was reinstated in 1976 when the Supreme Court reinstated it. So it's, it's under a moratorium now. What that means is there can be no executions in Pennsylvania, but the death penalty law itself is still in effect. That means cases can be tried and appealed under the death penalty law. In other words, those expenses, those extra legal expenses continue even though there's a moratorium on executions. And so you did bring up uh, the cost of the death penalty. Um, it's pretty substantial, and that's, um, that's an argument that keeps being brought up whenever the death penalty comes up. It's just the cost of that. And so what kind of things could that be used on instead? Well, it's ed editorial notice. Uh, we could use that money for very effective crime prevention and violence reduction uh, programs, that model programs that have been introduced around the country. And we could use them for victim services as well. Uh, there's a lot of things that we could be used to uh, reduce violence in a real way. There's no evidence at all that the death penalty reduces violence or deters crime. In fact, the states that have the death penalty have higher rates of violence than the states that don't have it. So why not take this money and use it for some real cost-effective evidence-based programs that reduce violence? And so this also touched on a little bit in the editorial about the racial disparities of the death penalty, about how blacks make up 12% of Pennsylvania's population, but more than half of its 150 death row prisoners. Correct. And that's, uh, that's something that's true of the criminal justice system from the top to the bottom. If you look at the imprisonment rate in this country, 2.2 million people are locked up. About 45% of those are African-American males. But to go back to your question, yes, 150 people on death row, 11.8% of the population in Pennsylvania is African-American. More than half on death row are African-American. And that's just a function of the criminal justice system, the racial biases in the criminal justice system from the top to the bottom. So is, is it safe to say that Pennsylvania lacks some kind of bold leadership when it comes to making a decision? Uh, no doubt. I mean, in Virginia, to abolish the death penalty, the legislature has to approve it and the governor has to sign it. But the governor in Virginia was way out in front of this issue. It would not have happened without him, his bold leadership. He went out to the public, pushed the issue, pushed the issue with the legislature. We don't have that in Pennsylvania right now. The governor, Tom Wolf, to his great credit, did impose the moratorium in 2015. 
but now he seems to have, uh, you know, kind of been MIA, kind of punked out on this issue right now. I tried to get a straight answer out of the governor's office on what his position was, and I couldn't even get uh, the, the spokesperson to say that the governor favored abolition. So I don't really know what's happening with him. He doesn't have to run again, so I don't know what he's afraid of. But we really lack that leadership now, which means the legislature is going to have to step up with these bills. And uh, if people support the abolition, they should get with their legislators and ask him or her to, to, to sponsor or support these bills. So just to kind of wrap things up here, and then you can provide us with your, your final thoughts, uh, I just wanted to read uh, the final paragraph here from the editorial. With the governor missing in action, which we just talked about, uh, legislators need to step up. In truth, state representatives would have eliminated any other costly and ineffective government program long ago. It's time to choose life instead of continuing to waste hundreds of millions of dollars on death. Yeah, that's true. When you think about the money that's wasted here, this has been... Fiscal conservatives are really supporting this now, conservatives, because of the waste of money. And if you had any other big government program that was so costly, so ineffective, I mean, the legislatures would be jumping, tripping over themselves to sponsor the bill. Uh, so I don't quite understand what the hesitancy is now. There's a lot of reasons to be against the death penalty, just the state, you believe the state doesn't have the right to kill somebody, the racial inequities. Uh, the, the fact that you could in, uh, execute an innocent person. There's been 10 people on Pennsylvania's death row who have been exonerated, who would have been killed as innocent people if it had gone through. So there's a lot of reasons to be against this, but the cost reason is something that everybody should be able to get behind. And as Janae was uh, intimating before, we could be using that money for real violence uh, reduction programs that really work on the street level instead of wasting money on these extra legal costs that the death penalty uh, cases require. Well, this was a very important topic to talk about, and I'm, we're so glad to have you on the show. And hopefully after reading this article, some people will take a call to action and see what exactly is going on in our governor's office as far as the death penalty goes. We hope to have you on to more episodes in the future. Well, thank you, Janae and Tanner. You're all doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Jeff. And that'll do it for this week on New Generation. We appreciate you guys coming back and giving us another listen. We'll be back uh, next weekend again with another episode of The New Generation.